Hello and welcome to another episode of Crystal Myth Podcast after a two-week break. Yeah, we've had times, there's been stuff going on. You yeah, almost. sometimes yeah. you just you need a wee break from things, don't you? It's healthy, I would say. I could do with a wee break from things based on what I've just been telling you. I feel like yeah. I just record the podcast continuously yeah, for a the couple pre, of days. The pre-podcast chat and then the podcast yes. <laughs> Well, it was a bit of a personal conversation. I don't know if you it want was, to it would be weird to your business. Podcast. Don't think my family would appreciate that, but hey-ho. My dad thinks that I'm addicted to my mental health medication, and I had to say to him, well, no, I need it. It's not because I I just suddenly thought, I know, I'll just try this Citalopram for a laugh, and now I'm addicted to it. No, it was prescribed to <laughs> me after many different types of medication that didn't previously work for me. That actually now I'm taking a medication that makes me feel absolutely normal and doesn't make me like so my brain doesn't want to try and kill me. So I think that's not addiction, that's survival. <laughs> yeah, we're basically saying that like people over the age of what 55? 50 or 60. Yeah, I'd are, say 55. Not all people over the age of 55, but there's a massive whack of especially guys over the especially age of 55. Especially in Scotland, I'd say. Just, yeah, just do excellent Mac. Toxic masculinity, or whatever you might call it. Yeah, where they don't understand modern medicine. <laughs> They're the type of people that would say, have a stiff upper lip, grin and bear it, you know, or pull yourself together. I've actually heard all of that shit from my dad. Sometimes. It's like, not that it's a serious thing. Well, I suppose it is if you go blind, that yeah. is serious. But when I used to work in the opticians, and it was, again, always older guys that I'd be like, okay, so. The opticians, like obviously, done your review and I've got your notes mm. here and you're definitely needing glasses, especially to drive. And they, so many guys would be like, I'm not going to get glasses because getting glasses makes your vision worse. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Famously is what glasses are for. They're to blind you. That's why they exist. As opposed to driving safely and not running yeah. people over because you can't yeah, I just do go no wanes down in case putting <laughs> glasses on makes your terrible vision bad. Like, <laughs> go. That only applies if you're wearing the wrong type of glasses. Like, I used to put my grandpa's glasses on and they were fit. And I'd be like, I can't see through. These are make my eyes hurt because my eyes were fine. And yeah, like, I mean, but you've obviously said to that guy, dangerous. these are the right lenses for you. I'm not prescribing you the wrong like, lens, lens to, put that to make your eyes work. So many guys <laughs> as well used to say, I don't, I don't know if it was the one mate, but we'd be like, oh, I had this mate and he came and got glasses. And then he ended up a couple of years down the line, had to get even stronger glasses. And it's like, it's many probably because there's yeah. an issue with his eyes again, not an issue with the glasses. Yeah, you had a mate, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or what is it, Manny Sandra, that you used to say about everything? Manny Sandra that saw the homeless man with the Ferrari. Yeah. (laughs) As if nobody's seen a homeless man with a Ferrari unless he just happens to be sat there begging next to a Ferrari, but he doesn't actually own it. Yeah, I mean. Oh, man. It's good to take a break for some things. And I had dogs that I was looking after. They were mental. So they followed me everywhere and they were quite excitable. And then, yes, I didn't really, I couldn't really do the podcast then. And then the week after that, you had jaw problems. Yeah, have jaw <laughs> put problems. it that way. Historical yeah. jaw problems, ongoing jaw madness. And I'm not going to make you do a podcast when you're fucking agony. Yeah, when I can't <laughs> speak. <laughs> speak. Although if I was one of those older men, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't record the podcast tonight because I went to the doctor and now I can't speak. <laughs> Rather than I went to the doctor <laughs> because I can't speak. So 
I'd rather you were a bit happier than making you do the podcast. Like, I'm talking as if I'm some sort of fucking battle axe. Like, I crack the whip <laughs> in this situation. Like, I'm the leader of the podcast. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just concerned for your welfare. And of course, I'm not going to say, fuck up, Mark. Pull your bootstraps up and get online. <laughs> I don't care if you're Joss. <laughs> I was going to say shut your face, but that makes me <laughs> shut. So yeah, unshut your face. Open your face up. We're all good now. Well, not quite, but I'm fine. And that's what matters. <laughs> that's the main thing. Yeah, well, what was the topic? Can you even remember? It was true Disney stories and we didn't know what it was. So we had to contact Yaz because it's her episode to find out what it was. She did explain. She said it was like the true stories behind the Disney films that are bullshit. I threw in, can we talk about myths about actual, excuse me, Walt Disney? That was him coming to try and stop me from speaking. Yeah, (laughs) exposing his lie. I don't know, I'm a bit torn about Walt Disney. Was he a good man? I tell you what he was. He was definitely a Brian Lamont, a grass and bath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. no, no. He didn't like them commies or people who formed unions, which is quite apt considering what's happening in this country, like as in like the real strikes that are going yeah. on right now. And good for them. I like their union leader. He's, he's he comes on with the, the, these interviewers. All right, for instance, uh, the worst one I've seen was... <laughs> Piers Morgan show, right? I fucking hate Piers Morgan. The guy, um, the union guy has a profile picture on Facebook of the baddie from <laughs> The Thunderbirds, which is a 1960s puppet show. He's trying to say this, like Piers Morgan's trying to, he's called Mick Lynch, what a legend, right? And Piers Morgan's going, how come your profile pic on Facebook is one of the evil men from the hood? As if he's implying that he's an evil man. <laughs> that he is a and, member and of Mike the organisation that tries to destroy the Thunderbirds. Yeah, but if you see Mike Lynch he does look like that puppet and that's obviously why and that's what he said he said it's just a laugh I just put it there because my mate said I looked a bit like him and Piers Morgan's trying to still go down the line of yeah but why would you really put that on there he's one of the most evil evil character evil men in the world and he's like well a a puppet made of vinyl yeah, he's the most evil puppet made of vinyl in the 1960s. Do you honestly think, Piers Morgan, that I'm the most evil man in the world? <laughs> I'm just a union guy. Also, why would it be an indication that you're the most evil man in the world if you have a picture of an evil puppet? Like, And then you've got fucking Richard Madeley um, accusing him of being a Marxist. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. And Kay Burley was going on at him about, like, well, what would you do if one of the agency staff tried to go through the picket line? And he went, well, you do know what a picket line is. We picket people and ask them not to go to work. Yeah, but what would really happen if they went through the picket line? He's like, what do you think? What are you they trying to like imply? <laughs> Basically, what she was trying to say is, they are you going to be violent? Yeah, but she wouldn't say it. And he's like, I'm not taking that shit. <laughs> and then there was one on Newsnight where this Tory bastard uh, was just basically talking a lot of lies. And he just goes, that's a lie. You're a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> and constantly saying it to him. I love this guy so much. I mean, Walt there should be a whole group of people that look like uh, puppets following Tories around <laughs> singing a line every time they speak. I mean, God's sake. I mean, you've got a picture of... Um, <laughs> what is his name? Samuel That doesn't mean that you are him and you go around suggesting everybody. Well... well. <laughs> 
<laughs> my um, other favourite news story from this week is when um, Amber Heard broke the news to us all that Johnny Depp isn't Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. The, um, what was it? Because he's such a great actor, he convinced everyone that he had scissors for hands. Yes. That made me laugh. <laughs> 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 but also it came out in the news about her which I think is fucking ridiculous that she was found or discovered or caught shopping in TK Maxx <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're trying to make out that she's that poor that she has to shop in TK Maxx because Johnny Depp took all her money well no maybe everyone likes a bargain also she not refused to give him the money she said she can't afford it so technically he's not yeah. like he's had no financial impact on her Basically, it was just his way of getting his divorce money back, I think, because she said she would, well, she pledged it to charity, but she couldn't because he was suing her. Anyway, back to Disney. I also enjoyed that, to be fair, from the trial when they kept asking her over and over again, like, did you give the money to charity? And she was like, yes, I pledged the money to charity. Like, no, did you give no, the money to charity? No, I pledged yes, it. I pledged the money to charity. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake. She didn't do herself any favours in that no. trial. The way she looked at the jury and was all like, I, I mean, the stories are absolutely true, then they're fucking horrific, especially the story about the bottle and that and the fight in Australia. That's awful. But I was thinking it was just the way she was going about it. It did look like she was having it up a lot. Yeah. Like, but, I think they're both at fault, but oh, yeah, she definitely didn't do herself any favours. I mean, I think she clearly needs to also have an addiction to mental health-based drugs because she's clearly unhinged. Mm, yeah, I think someone said she had borderline personality disorder. Yeah, that. She's got anger issues and so does he, but he's always, he's probably more angry because, well, he's always been an angry guy because he smashed up hotel rooms when he was younger and stuff. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's always been a dick. He's basically a, a child trapped in a man's body, I think, yes, or a guy, yeah, a man that refuses to grow up. Like a 14-year-old boy. Yeah. But he's not because he's actually an old person. He's a very old person. He looks a very old well. person indeed. Walt Disney died in 1966, Mark. And do you know what the last words were found? It was on a bit of paper. He didn't. It's not his last spoken words, but technically it would be his last words. Was it? Guess what they were? Believe Amber Heard. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a prophet. <laughs> No, but it was someone's name. Oh, okay, that ruins it because my next guess was going to be make the Pirates of the Caribbean ride into film, but that's what's <laughs> Johnny Depp. No, it was Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell? Yeah, that was his last words. Kurt Russell on a note. I wonder why. Do we know why? But, well, Kurt Russell's like, I don't fucking know why. Although, the, the big clue would be that he just signed, like Disney had just signed Kurt Russell for a, a Disney contract for films. Because he was a Disney boy. You didn't know that? Maybe he was um, making a to-do list and the first thing <laughs> was to phone Kurt Russell, but he just wrote Kurt Russell and then died. That's true, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Or maybe he thought that Kurt Russell was going to be the next big Disney star, and I guess he was in a way. Like the Jonas Brothers, but four. <laughs> Were the Jonas Brothers Disney stars? Yeah, that's why they had to pretend that they didn't like sex and all that. <laughs> that's right, and all that. What would that be? Juice? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, that's another myth about Disney, but I'm starting to think, was it a myth? It's a grey area, I think. Some of his mates said that, no, no, he definitely wasn't an anti-Semite, but then other people were saying, yeah, but he did invite Lenny Reifenstrahl over to the Disney studios and gave her a tour and attended some Nazi meetings. So, I mean, you don't go to Nazi meetings if you're not a Nazi. Like, then he did help 
make propaganda war films at his studio for the United States when they were in the war. So is he maybe just playing both sides so he can always stay on top? I think if recent history's taught us anything, it's that you can definitely love America and be a Nazi. Mm, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I don't really get it. What were you were you gonna discuss with us? Uh, I looked up the true story of Snow White, which I didn't know was based on a true story, and the true story of Cinderella, which I didn't know was based on a true story. So I was wondering yes. about that because I thought they were just stories based on the Brothers Grimm who went around asking people about folk tales. I don't think there was any truth to any of them. They basically sort of were. It's like the some of them are kind of going along the same lines of like a real event happened, then there was folk tales based on it, then the Brothers Grimm discovered the folk tales and then they made it into their own fairy tales. So I mean, yeah, that is not that set. That would be very boring. Well, I'm gonna cover I'm gonna cover one of the most what I find offensive films in the whole of Disney's history, like besides Song of the South and Fantasia. I mean, I'm assuming because it's you, I'm going to be it's not going to be one of the things that automatically pop into my head anyway. <laughs> what do you consider to be? Pocahontas. Oh, okay, no fair. That's, it's that's one not... of the most fucking horrendous films they've ever made, in my opinion, and probably lots of people's opinions, to be fair. And I think it should be banned, and I think it should be taken off the fucking shelves. That's what I think. I absolutely loved Pocahontas when I was wee, but not any of the bits with any of the white people in it. <laughs> and I didn't, not but Even not. then, it, I'll come to that point later, but I'm saying even then they made out Pocahontas to be like, I love white people yeah. kind of thing, where the real story is far from it. Yeah. Fucking horrendous. And that's why I find it so offensive, because it basically just whitewashes everything that happened to Indigenous women, and she was one of the first victims of white men. Charlotte, do you want me um, to carry on with the, the Disney conspiracy theories? Yeah, let's do some of them first, and then we can talk about our real what, princesses' lives. So what do we think is the most popular theory about Walt Disney that everyone thinks of when you think conspiracies and myths? That he had his head cryogenically frozen. Yeah. Well, you think it was just his head? I was told that it was his entire body. Or maybe it, it was his both. body and his head. Was his head? Heard. I think that Amber heard. Was his head separated? I've heard <laughs> both. I've heard that he, his whole body was frozen and I've heard that his, just his, his head, head was cryogenically frozen for some reason. I heard his head was mummified and put in the haunted museum, the haunted house. Oh, that would be cool. Or it was like a bust of his head or something that was in the haunted house when mansion. When I you have my head mummified and put in a haunted house, please. Well, that's actually happened to a guy. <laughs> it was a cowboy, a really shit cowboy. Or he wanted to be like a bandit, but he ended up getting killed. And he was embalmed and put on display around the West with a travelling show as a typical like battlers. Oh, come see the bandit kind of thing. Because he couldn't <laughs> get yeah, come, come see this dead guy, which was entertainment back in those days. And then he eventually ended up somehow in a, you know, a shit ghost train thing. And people <laughs> thought it was just like a prop, but it turns out it was a guy. <laughs> he found him in like the 19, like the 2000s or the 1990s or something. <laughs> How they just, just thought, well, let's take a look at this a wee bit closer. I don't know, but it turned out to be that guy. So he has actually lived that dream. I wonder if he haunted the place or, you know, I don't know. I mean, I actually, I would believe that, that Walt Disney would be the kind of guy to freeze his body so that yeah. he could be animated <laughs> with science. I mean, in all animated. fairness, if I had, like, unlimited money, mm. I would have myself frozen after I died so that I could be brought back to life when science went, 
far enough. And is that why Frozen, the film, is called Frozen in a sort of jokey way as a nod to that conspiracy? Because really it should just be the Snow Queen. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> I said yeah there, like that's fact, because I agree. <laughs> so the story goes that after his death, Disney was cryogenically frozen until the day that reanimation was possible. He had a private funeral and the lack of public information has been the perfect breeding ground for conspiracy theories. It is not true, according to Snopes. He was actually cremated days after dying from lung cancer and his ashes are interned in Glendale, California. His daughter Diane also wrote in a 1972 biography about her dad. There's absolutely no truth in the rumour that my father, Walt Disney, wished to be frozen, but I think there is. <laughs> yeah, like, why wouldn't he want to be frozen? So he could come back and see what, I mean, what do you think he would think of the way Disney is now? It's basically like the evil empire. It's, it's just devoured all these other companies and taken over a lot of franchises and channels. I think he'd approve of it eating everything else, but probably be horrified by the, the minimal amounts of liberalness that exist yeah. in Disney films now. Yeah, I think he'd probably be happy to see that Kurt Russell was still alive. <laughs> yes, Kurt Russell, the last. I kind like that idea better. Disney. The first thing that he shouts when they revive him is like, "How Kurt is Kurt Russell?" Russell? <laughs> He's just got Kurt Russell on the brain. Yeah, there's a myth that he lives on as a bust in Disneyland's Haunted Mansion rides. Why would that be controversial? I really don't get it. I mean, people, I think that'd be quite fun. Yeah. But he doesn't appear in the ride at all because he died before the ride was ever completed. That doesn't mean you, you can't well, Why would that mean he could be in the ride? Yeah, pop it in. Pop his mummified head in. <laughs> he could have left his mummified head just in case it went something <laughs> like, if it ever seems like it suits a ride. Is in his will, he says, when I die, you need to cut my head off and mummify it. And then if you come up with a, a haunted ride, put it in there, centre stage. In fact, that's the last thing you see when you leave the ride. It's <laughs> him saying, thanks for riding, come back again. <laughs> Kurt Russell! <laughs> uh, there's our myth that he was born in Robinson, Illinois. So fuck, who cares? Yes, <laughs> not very interesting myth. Someone, a reporter from Robinson, Illinois, tried to claim that Walt Disney had been born in his town. But Walt Disney's official but autobiography states that he was born in Chicago, as does every other piece in the writing about him. Okay. It's like um, Who cares? everywhere has the official birthplace of Rabbi Burns. That's true. <laughs> like actually everywhere as soon as you hit Ayrshire until you leave and go to England. No, I went to his house where he was born. Are you saying that's not the house where he was born? I don't know because there's so many official birthplaces of Rabbie Burns that I don't actually know where he was born. I'm not sure. It's weird. I was talking about that today with David because he was in, well, he's going to Dunfries on his work. And I said, oh, that's where Robbie, 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 don't fucking say that. That's shocking. I've been betrayed my country. Rabbie Burns, that's where he died. I went to his house where he died. And I said, oh, that's funny. I've been to his birthplace and I've been his death place. You haven't, haha. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was supposed to be an insult. But yeah, the I mean, people claim that, do other people claim that he died in their house? Is that the same thing? I'm going to, I mean, they could make or, a Disney film about Rabbi Burton, so I'm counting that as a. I mean, no one does. I'm going to see if there is an actual it'll special. Fucking, it'll be a lot of fucking shit anyway. It'll be complete nonsense. Yeah. Like Robbie Burns would be, imagine the Disney fied version of Rabbi Burns. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm imagining him as a Disney princess. Yeah, a princess? <laughs> Oh. So according to Wikipedia, he was born in Alloway. Yeah, that's right. And died in Dumfries. Mm-hmm. 
He died in Dumfries in a house near the river, which I don't know the name of. For shame. For shame. So there's another myth that he left, not Robbie Burns, but Walt Disney. <laughs> Let's go back to him. <laughs> Imagine if Robbie Burns left video instructions telling Disney executives to do what after he died. <laughs> You're like, excuse me? What? <laughs> Along with his books of poetry, he somehow managed to invent video recording, just in case. And Disney. <laughs> and Disney. I mean... He really was an important historical figure. Is someone interested in the future, not Robbie Burns, I'm sure he was. So this actually does seem like something he might do, but there's zero evidence of this being the case. He died in 1966 from lung cancer, and his death was relatively sudden and unexpected. When he died, Disney World was in the process of being built. Disney World's the one in Florida. He did live to see Disneyland being built. His brother... I mean, that must be quite cool to live long enough to see an entire theme park based on your ideas being built. Yeah, which you oversaw and designed yourself. (laughs) I feel like the way that I just said that implies that everybody eventually gets the theme park based on their ideas built, but it's normally (laughs) after you die. So the brand was almost bought out in the 1980s because the stock fell and many of the movies during this era dubbed the Bronze Age and the Disney movie canon didn't do too well at the box office. So what movies would they be? Like Fox and the Hound and Sword in the Stone, maybe? The sword in the stone 80s probably yeah I don't, no i think that may have been do we know seven, exactly when the was was it just the whole of the 80s pretty much yeah i don't think there was no to be fair i don't think there were a lot of disney movies that came out in the 1980s as far as i can remember i think they were mostly maybe 70s like, and then 90s kurt, kurt russell films <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh, it because the renaissance started uh, 1989 to 90 when the little mermaid came out and that's when they all said oh disney's back they've got quality animation i think maybe in the the 80s 80s, disney disney do any good released uh what the black cauldron yeah the secret of nim right return to oz which is an absolutely brilliant it's Some, yeah, the Black Cauldron was quite fucked up and so was Return to Oz, so it was quite dark. It was dark. One Magic Christmas. Never, never heard, of, heard it. of it. All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah, but that was with another animation company, mm, Don, so Don Bluth. Hmm, okay. An American Tale? I didn't know that was a Disney film. Yeah, I thought that was Steven Spielberg produced. Weird. Are you sure that's Disney? Unless they're trying to retroactively claim it as theirs. No, hold on. It's saying like Return of the Jedi. That wasn't owned by Disney then. Is it just because Disney owns everything now? Yeah, that's it. They think that it's all Disney. Yeah, so that anything that would now fall under Disney. They're clutching at straws. There's fuck all in the 80s. There was a Black Cauldron and that's it. Because I'm sure The Secret of Nim was a Don Bluth animated thing, unless he borrowed their studios or something. Yeah, The Land Before Time's on this list as well. That wasn't Don Bluth. (laughs) This list is pish. Bullshit. He was an anti-Semite, which is another myth, but I don't know. I think there's something to it. The belief that Disney was an anti-Semitic is so widespread that it's been addressed in pop culture, including being spoofed in Family Guy and comments made by Meryl Streep in 2014. What did she say? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to think that she was just given a speech for an award and was like, I'd like to thank my partner, I'd like to thank my family. Disney was a Nazi. Well, it's taken me to a Variety article where it says Meryl Streep blasts Walt's Disney at National Board of Review dinner. What did she say? Oh, because Emma Thompson was there. And, you know, Emma Thompson played Mary Poppins' creator in Disney Saving Mr. Banks, right? She's saying, oh, I love her and all that. But Streep had written for her friend 
she wrote, she's written for her friend an ode to Emma or what Emma is owed. But Streep also made a point of blasting Walt Disney. Blasting. <laughs> just thinking fucking Frank Reynolds. So started blasting Walt Disney for his sexist and anti-Semitic stances. Right, let's, let's get to the fucking gist of this. What did she say? Again, I feel like the implication of that is like, I'm going to read a funny wee poem about Emma. Emma's good. Emma's great. Emma is my greatest mate. And Walt Disney's a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) Then just stormed off the stage. Well, she was supposed to have been rumoured to be in running for the role of P.L. Travers, but her remarks suggest that she might not want to do that. Why? She says uh, some of his associates reported that Walt Disney didn't really like women, Streep said. Quoting esteemed animator Ward Kimball on his old boss, he didn't trust women or cats. <laughs> strange because I exclusively trust cats. women and cats. Those are the only two beings that I trust. Street Some talked parties. about how Disney supported an anti-Semitic industry lobbying group and called him a gender bigot. She read a letter that his company wrote in 1948 to an aspiring female animator, included the line, Women do not do any of the creative work in connection with preparing the cartoons for the screen, as that task is performed entirely by young men. <laughs> Why not try being an inker instead? I mean, that doesn't make him a Nazi. It makes him a shit person, but it doesn't make mm. him a Nazi. Yeah, I mean, that's all she said about him, really. So it's not really that big a deal. But she's just saying that based on whatever people have said about yeah, him. Yeah, it's not like she has evidence of that. They could just be a bit salty, stir shit. But like I say, I don't know, it's 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 different. People say different things about them, depending on whether they like them or not. Uh, where are we? So, I am going back to the Disney myth. Walt Disney, The Triumph of American Imagination, a biography written about Disney, the author Neil Gabler states that one of, of the Jews who worked with Disney, or at Disney, it was hard to find any who thought Walt was an anti-Semite. But is that because he threatened them? Did he say anything about Also, like, how many Jewish employees did he have? Like, if there was two, that's not really that big a deal. Mm. If he had hundreds of Jewish employees, then that would indicate that maybe he wasn't an anti-Semite. Yeah, but of the Jews, that could be just two. The organisation he was a founding member of, the Motion Picture Alliance, had many privately anti-Semitic members. So while there's no proof that Disney himself was anti-Semitic, some argue that he was complicit based on the company he kept. Well, I think that's pretty fucking obvious, I'd have to say. I think he was a Nazi sympathiser, but obviously he couldn't side with them until it went yes. to shit. Like when the Americans went to war, he's like, oh, fuck, I better, I better do some propaganda films here. <laughs> yeah, we've got some money to be making. Yeah, considering how he went after commies later on. But there's a myth that he left his money, or he left money in his will for the first man who managed to get pregnant. Now, this one I've never heard before. And well, I've never heard that either. Make that up. And why would he want that? Unless it's a joke. He's like, oh, a man will never get pregnant, so he's not getting my money. Still, <laughs> strip it, thing you put in your will. Yeah, I mean, that makes no sense. Is that true, though? I'm saying that as though that's a fact. Nobody knows why or where the rumour began, but it is persistent, apparently. Well, it's the first I've heard of it. Yeah. His also, will it's really isn't... easy to check. Just check as well. Well, yeah, that's what they're saying. His will is a public record. He left 45% of his estate to his wife and daughters, 45% to the Disney Foundation and the last 10% to be divided among his nieces, nephews and sister. So that's reasonable. Yeah, I know. There's a myth that he was born out of wedlock in Spain. Why? (laughs) Scandalous. 
The story stems from the discredited biography, Walt Disney, Hollywood's Dark Prince. Nah, you can't really sex him up that way. No. The Dark Prince to me is Christopher Lee, thanks. The theory is that Disney was born out of wedlock in southern Spain. Oh, the horror. To a woman named Isabella Samora. The book also claims he was born in 1890 and later adopted by the Disneys, but he wasn't. He was born in Chicago to Elias and Flora Disney and no evidence exists to support. Why would he make that up? I don't know, just to sell his fucking book, I suppose. Yeah, that's a weird thing to make up. And that the Disney logo is his, his handwriting, which is what I thought. I thought that was the case, yeah. The Disney logo is a cultural touchstone. It's called a Waltograph. Many believe it's Disney's handwriting, but unfortunately... The- this is false. While it's difficult to find out what Disney's signature actually looked like, there were a lot of people authorised to sign his name. The logo that we recognised as the Disney logo, in fact, didn't exist until well after his death, as it first appeared in 1984. Basically, it's just a stylized version of his signature, but not an exact copy. Mm. Sure, there was something about how he didn't actually... Yeah, he didn't create Mickey Mouse himself. That's a myth. That he created Mickey Mouse all by himself. I'm sure he took all the fucking credit for it though. Like, yeah. We'll do. So Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse are synonymous at that point, at this point, but he wasn't the one to come up with the character. In fact, it was a guy called Oob Iwerks, a lesser known figure in the Disney lore. Oob Iwerks? Yeah, Oob, Oob, sorry, not Oob. Oob is his first name and Iwerks. I-W-E-R-K-S. Very interesting name. After losing the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, Disney's actual first creation, Disney asked Iverx to come up with a new character and Mickey Mouse was born. Over the years, Iverx felt he wasn't getting enough credit. He got fuck all credit for his creation. (laughs) Yeah, this is the first thing I've ever heard of him, so that seems correct. So he left Disney in a big cream puff, right, quite, quite rightly, and eventually came back but he refused to work in animation again, lest Walt steal his work, his ideas. Walt Disney did voice Mickey Mouse up until the 1940s. Yeah, but I didn't know that either, actually. Yeah, so any cartoons that you see with Mickey and sounds before 1947 is Walt Disney doing it. So there you go. Well, what else have we got here? So I've got, well, these are myths. Got a few actual facts about them, according to this. Some of them interesting some of them not so much he grew up on a farm in missouri he didn't have any many subjects but he delighted in drawing cartoon pictures of his neighbor's horses disney's french family name was originally the isony before being anglicized to disney so disney is a completely made up name yeah he dropped out Although, of high school. that make sense because you never hear of anyone who is a disney other than yeah people who are part of the disney corporation let's imagine it if you claim that your surname's Disney, Disney would come after you for copyright mm. reasons. Like that time you can change... Jenner tried to ban Kylie Minogue from having her name. <laughs> Disney dropped out of high school at age 16 in hopes of joining the army. He was rejected for being underage but was able to get a job as an ambulance driver with the Red Cross in France while the Rocky, Lucky Rabbit was created while Disney was under contract with Universal Pictures. When he left, Oswald was barred from joining him because they claimed copyright for him. So that's why this is leading Disney to make a new companion, everyone's favourite mouse, but we know that that's Oob's creation. Oob Iverks. Not I like Disney. That Disney didn't like that a corporation stole his created cartoon animal, so he made a corporation and stole somebody else's cartoon animal. Exactly. What a dick. <laughs> he was good pals with Uncle Sam. Mm, I would debate that. 
producing animated war propaganda films and training videos for the United States military. But secretly he liked Hitler, I think. Disney also, do you know why I also think he liked Hitler? Because of his socialism, anti-communist views, probably. Mm, yeah. Against unions and things, which I thought was a socialist thing, but I guess socialist fascists are slightly different. Basically, it was just against like people having opinions yeah. of free speech or free will, which definitely implies he was a shite person. This is where he comes into being a total Brian Lamont, as in a grass. So he helped fan the flames of the 1940s Red Scare. He was a founder of the Motion Picture Alliance for the preservation of American ideals, which is basically what we said. It had a lot of anti-Semites in it. Yeah. Accusing workers on strike of communist plots, testifying against labour organisers and icing out rumoured communists of Hollywood. So even his own staff who are on strike, he's like, fuck you all, I'm going to grass you up to the American activities, um, even though they're striking probably because of the conditions that you yeah. put them under were shit. <laughs> he paid them buttons and he wouldn't allow women to be animators. Yeah, he's not... I don't know why they think America's uncle when he's not really all that good. I mean, they're good and bad, I suppose, but mm, you think about it. Also, you know how, I think this is interesting, a lot of the mothers are missing and a lot of his character. The reason for that is because his mum died in a a carbon monoxide uh, poisoning. So they're famous for the absentee mothers. From Pinocchio to the Jungle Book and what was it, Bambi and all that shit. Many believe the trend was a result of Disney's guilt and anguish over his own mother's death. After the success of Snow White, he purchased a new home for his parents, but a broken heating system resulted in his mother's death from carbon monoxide poisoning. So then he became obsessed with having movies with people's parents being dead at some point. Mm. Which is a really disturbing trait in Disney, isn't it? Where Yeah. A lot of the parents. He had big dreams of opening a revolutionary theme park, telling a colleague that he wanted it to look like nothing else in the world. And obviously he achieved that dream with Disneyland and after his death, Disney World. He was a train fanatic. Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) His fascination began as a child. I know I'm really pushing that Nazi angle here, man. Disney are going to come out and come after me, but they have to prove it's not true. His fascination began as a child when he would watch trains pass by near his house. His uncle, a train conductor, would blow the whistle as a greeting, and he would later blow the whistle on all the poor guys. <laughs> he lived in Silver Lake in LA, which looks like a really, really nice place. Seeing the joy it brought his daughter, he became determined to incorporate a monorail into Disneyland. There's something about the Nazis in this. I'm obsessed with him. And Oh, yeah. Rumoured to be anti-Semitic, Disney attended meetings of the German-American Bund in the 1930s, a pro-Nazi organisation. I mean, why would you be attending that if you weren't a Nazi? I mean, this was pre-war, I suppose. So maybe he thought that some of Hitler's act like, much like, maybe not to his at that extent, but much like um, P. Lovecraft. He, He agreed with a lot of Hitler's ideas, you know? Yeah. He also hosted known Nazi propagandist and filmmaker Lenny Reifenstahl, giving her a tour of the Disney studios. But despite this other's claims, rumours of Disney's anti-Semitism, well, of course he would fucking say that. I, I think he believes they're just trying to cover it up. I mean, His yeah, favorite, mm-hmm. definitely sounds like he was, as you say, like, just because he wasn't a member of the Nazi party doesn't mean that he didn't have, like, Nazi ideologies, which yeah. I'm guessing if he's attending meetings for people who have Nazi ideologies, he must have done. Yeah, I think he because he was quite a, a taskmaster when it came to his work or 
getting people to do what he wants. He once played the role of Peter Pan in school play. The character Wally was named after Disney. Oh, uh, so that makes sense, but never occurred to me. A minor planet is named after Disney. 4017 Disney. It wasn't Pluto, obviously, because that was like discovered before Disney was well famous it was discovered by a soviet astronomer which is ironic why would the yeah. fuck would i call me planet after disney i don't get it <laughs> what disney's favorite character was goofy he also held the patent for technicolor for two years making him the only animator allowed to make color animated films which i suppose is smart when you think yeah. about it and um, well that's really it that's all i've got on disney that was interesting i mean there's probably shit loads more about disney you know but that's all i've really got i could be i could be taking up most of the podcast talking about walt disney he's also got his own special office in disneyland um where if the light was on the light's always on in the window to indicate that walt was there and um, he's dead now so i guess he's ghosts there yeah or maybe that's where his head is his head, his head in a jar. So let us know about the true story of Cinderella. It's not the same as that Ever After film, is it? Where they claimed it was a, a French queen? No. Okay, with Drew Barrymore, you know. It was neither a French queen nor Drew Barrymore. Okay. <laughs> so it was like what you were saying earlier. So basically there's a historical story that then turned into a folktale. And the folktale mm. was then used, taken, adapted by the Brothers Grimm. So and the original can I just stories... say, Mark? I don't mm-hmm. object so much to these ones because they're based on the Brothers Grimm, but the Pocahontas thing is unforgivable. <laughs> okay, carry on. <laughs> so the story is of a mm-hmm. woman named, or the true story is about a woman named Zian. Is a Cinderella? Yeah, so the true story is Cinderella. Okay, right. So it was, uh, the true story is of a woman called Yi Zian. She was known for her intellect and her beauty, and she lived in China. She was right. the daughter of a really prosperous Chinese chief, and wow. he died in 206 BCE. So, you know, quite a while ago. I really wasn't expecting a Chinese angle there. Cool. No, I mean, again, it wasn't I wasn't unusual expecting name. there to be any story that it was based on, never mind for it to be from... Like, How would it get from China to Germany? I because it was such a long time. So when I was kind of reading the stuff on it, because it was 206 BCE that, well, that her father died, but that's when the main part of her story takes place, obviously, much like in Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Like, that gave it an awful long time to travel across the world, even by word of mouth. And obviously, it was kind of bastardised as it travelled. So, I think by the time it reached the Brothers Grimm... Chinese whispers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. By the time it reached the Brothers Grimm, like, the people who were telling them the story weren't telling the story of a Chinese princess. They were telling the Uh story of a whatever, German princess, Hungarian princess, bloody, bloody, blah. So, after her father died, she was left in the care of her stepmother and her older stepsister... But she basically became their slave, which again matches up with the story of Cinderella. Was her older stepsister a complete ugly monk? Mm, there's not really any historical evidence of that. <laughs> okay. Obviously, because she was a lot older than Cinderella, like comparatively, she had sorry, to... than Cinderella than Yi, and right. comparatively, because she was known for well, again for being really intellectual, but she was also known for her beauty. So I suppose if you're now family. And one of you is like 25 years older than the other one mm. in a time when people don't live very long. And the younger one's known for their beauty. You're going to be ugly comparatively. Yeah, I get you. She's probably like 25, but she looks 
Do. Yeah. Right. So these two women basically just used Yi as a living slave and housekeeper. She wasn't allowed to do anything or go anywhere or associate with anyone she previously associated with. She just had to clean the house all day. The only thing that Yi had in the world was a pet fish and she loved it, which is cute, but also just makes me think of her hugging a fish for some reason. Hug <laughs> <laughs> that fish every night. And I was imagining a goldfish. I think, yeah, it was like a big goldfish, like a koi carp. One evening, she'd failed to do all the chores that her stepmother had demanded that she did. And so her stepmother killed her pet fish. Oh, a bitch. She buried the fish in the garden. And then, as was part of some ancient custom that I've never heard of, once it had turned to bone, she collected the bones and she wished on them. Yeah, wishbone. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I like that. I'm like, this is an insane concept. Oh, yeah, wishbones. It's so she wished on it and she wished that she could have the most beautiful silk dress and golden slippers. Don't know how anyone knows this because she had no pals at that point in time. No <laughs> one's to visit her and her fish was dead, but apparently that's what she did. So the night after she'd wished yep. for these beautiful things, her stepmother and stepsister left to attend a local ball for like dignitaries for the like yeah, chiefs of all the local tribes and maybe she was doing that sort of you know affirmation meditation stuff where you ask the universe for something well the universe apparently provided because oh, she okay. so they left she went into her room and in her room she found the most beautiful ball gown apparently according to the legend she found a beautiful ball gown and a pair of golden slippers right someone maybe left it there for her because i'm trying to think how is this real yeah like how is it <laughs> she found them and she decided that she was going to go to the ball so she changed into her new outfit she left for the ball and she apparently had a very enjoyable time there and saw old friends and was speaking to them but obviously was trying to avoid her stepmother and stepsister mm-hmm. and anytime they came near her she had to move eventually she had to flee the party and she had to flee basically through the shrubbery to get away from them so that they wouldn't see that she was there. And she lost one of her gold, her new gold slippers in the process of escaping. And then King of that region, who was there, never actually saw her or met her at the party, but apparently found her golden slipper lying in the hedge. And because it was so small, and because yeah, it was at that point in time when people were obsessed with like foot binding. Fuck, that's why my mind immediately went. I went, oh God, she got bound feet. So How yeah, she, run? she must have had bound feet, especially oh. because she was like a daughter of a chief. Yeah. And she wasn't being, not that binding your feet has obviously been badly treated, but she wouldn't have been being badly treated before he died. So they, she would mm. have been treated like the daughter of any other chief. So having like these high, insane beauty standards. So he found this golden shoe and thought that it must belong to a great woman because her feet were so tiny and it was made out of such expensive material. So he basically put a call out through the land that he wished to meet this woman. And Yi eventually stepped forward and said that the golden slipper was hers. And when he saw how tiny her feet were, he (laughs) fell in love with her and she ended up becoming the queen of that region. Just for having tiny little feet. Just for having tiny little feet. That's quite different to the story how it ended up, which which actually was really fucked up. Again, Disney obviously didn't go down that route because at one point the stepsisters actually which I suppose would make sense as a bastardization because if you were oh, then the turning it into a folk tale, people might have been like, and then the stepsister like tried to bind her feet, but they were yes. already too big and blah 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 blah. So oh, I suppose yeah. probably the original folk tale had like some form of foot mutilation, mutilations, <laughs> foot that- mutilations. And does it? <laughs> <laughs> does it just end there or is it because you know how like in the other cinderella story the western one the stepmother and the sisters are 
condemned to dance in hot shoes. Yeah, that isn't part of the original story. It's just like she gets married, she becomes queen. I think they continue to live in the chief's house and have his riches, but she gets to be Fair enough. Which is more realistic, I suppose. You think she would want to, I guess maybe she doesn't really have a say in the matter as queen, the king decides who gets to, like... Who gets their feet burnt, who doesn't? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you were abused by them, were you? (laughs) I don't care. <laughs> All I care about is your sexy tiny feet. Your little tiny bound mutilated feet. <laughs> Have you seen pictures of mutilated bound feet? It's really horrific, especially no. for someone like me who is terrified bones breaking. Is they actually do as as children break their toes and Ooh. pull them underneath and bind it so their toes are sort of bent all the way back towards the heel, oh. and then the heel is pushed towards the front so the bone in the middle's mutated or broken and that's uh, just a fucking horrible i don't even know how you can find it attractive no that's absolute <laughs> psychotic madness i suppose when you think about it cinderella is a story for people with a foot fetish true it's yeah. very um foot fetish story based on either truth or myth i don't know if she obviously probably does ex- i don't know if she actually existed or is it considered historical fact Mm, it's consider it's one of those like there's no reason to doubt that she existed, mm. but there's not really that much evidence that she did. Okay, well, well that's so long ago, and I don't imagine they would have any sort of like actual books yeah. or anything back then that would survive to this time. The Snow White one that definitely. I thought goes you were doing Hunchback in Notre Dame. Sorry, I thought you no. were doing that. Oh, okay. Right. Okay, the Snow White one. Someone yeah, so that, it is based on definitely real <laughs> historical figures. Someone roofied her. <laughs> well, no, so Snow White's a combination <laughs> of two true stories. So it's a combination of this story of the German countess, Marguerite von, <laughs> Marguerite von Battery, Marguerite von Waldeck, who was Pretty. a countess in the 16th century. Did she have a fetish for dwarves? I wouldn't say she had a fetish for dwarves, but there is sort of dwarfism in the story. Oh, okay, right. So Marguerite was a Roman countess in what is now Germany. And then there's also the story of Princess Maria Sophia von Erthel from the early 17th century, who was a princess in a different area of what is also now Germany, which makes sense with the stories eventually combining and being brought together by the Brothers Grimm, because obviously they were in the areas that are now and in surrounding Germany collecting their stories. So in both of the real lives of these women, both of their dads, one of whom was a count and one of whom was a king, remarried after the deaths of their mothers. Which would happen frequently back then. Yeah, because so many women died in childbirth and yeah. if you were a king or a duke or whatever, you were expected to have a wife. So, yeah. so <laughs> after their dads remarried, Marguerite was sent away from the palace age 16 by her stepmother who hated her. But she was sent to live in, like, relative luxury for the time. It was in the wilderness. Like, she was sent to live on the edge of a sort of wild area, but she wasn't actually sent to live in the middle of the woods. Yeah, I mean, as an aristocrat, you still have to give them their proper deserved wealth. Yeah, like, she was basically sent to live in, like, a palatial manor, but on the edge of, like, dense woodlands. And then the other princess, after the dad remarried, the queen... 
So the actual mm. princess, not the other princess, only one of them's a princess. The Queen hated Maria Sophia and took her talking mirror off of her. Her talking mirror. There was this idea that like they had a special they had special mirrors back then made out of a special type of glass and you could yeah, ask it questions and it was a bit like I suppose it was effectively like a crystal ball, like the way the light played on it would be able to answer your questions. Oh, sounds like, like witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, communicate with you. So when the queen married, or when the, the new queen came along and married the king, she hated Maria Sophia, and she removed her giant talking mirror from her room, which meant that she, the queen then effectively had a mirror that could talk to her, or she could tell the future in. So the queen took it off her and used it for herself? Yes, which is okay. where they think the bit of the sort of magic mirror comes from, because... Right, so she was scrying, that's what they call that, when you look in a mirror and try and uh, predict the future. Some people pour water down the mirror and stare in it in the dark and it's a lot of things that psychic mediums trying to do to contact the dead like mirrors are also seen as portals to the spirit dimension i guess from the information there that that must have been what she was doing and then obviously that's then been Mm -hmm. changed over time into she had a mirror that she could talk to and it would speak back but really that wasn't what was happening she was just yeah attempting to to decipher the messages of the mirror yeah Uh, marguerite who was the countess her new home that was on the edge of the woods was also by mines which had a relatively small community of workers. So again, she wasn't completely isolated. There were other people that lived nearby and their families, but basically almost everyone in the entire community had stunted growth, like genetically. So she basically lived next to a village of almost entirely people with dwarfism or some sort of similar condition. And they all loved her. Like they thought she was a wonderful human being and she used to come and basically spend time in the village and they all sort of like worshipped her a bit so that's where the idea of the seven dwarves comes from and then at 21 marguerite was poisoned and died and there was a prince who wanted to wed her and he was completely distraught so he'd been coming backwards and forwards to again our big manor on the edge of the woods to visit her and he was planning to propose to her and then he'd come to visit on the day she died and he was unable to find her and the local villagers, again, all of whom had stunted growth, had informed them that, that she died of poisoning and they didn't know who had poisoned her. And he was distraught and never took a wife. Oh. And then Maria Sophia, who was the actual princess, mm-hmm. whose stepmother removed her mirror from her um, and basically tried to ruin her life, became ill after deadly nightshade poisoning. She didn't die, but she was poisoned by nightshade. She believed it was her stepmother that had poisoned her. So she moved away from her stepmother and moved to a glass town. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's where they think the idea of the glass coffin glass came coffin. from, because combining mm-hmm. the two stories, so because Marguerite actually died, Maria Sophia didn't, but she moved away after being poisoned, and she moved to, like, a glass area. So they think that was then translated into she was in, like, a glass coffin. Um, and okay. she later ended up marrying a prince of another, like, neighbouring land, and then she became queen of the neighbouring land next to the glassworks. Oh, well, that's a happy ending for her, at least. True. Yeah, there's a re- there's going to be, a, like, a real theme of um, women getting poisoned in this podcast, because Pocahontas... <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, not everyone's getting poisoned, film. apparently. Not in the Disney film, but um, how does the Disney film end? It just ends with her watching as John Smith fucks off back home. Oh, wait, because he was sick or something? I can't remember. I was can't he remember ill? Either. I think he got he got attacked or something and he had to go back home to England. But the real John Smith was a right dickhead. Shall I tell you? Shall I tell you about it? Yes, please. Right, 16 facts about the real Pocahontas. Mark, she was born in 1596 and her actual name was Amanuti and her mother was called Pocahontas. But Pocahontas is just a nickname 
Pocahontas just means like a silly, playful girl who likes to joke, like quite lively. That's what that means. So she was also like known as Pocahontas, but it wasn't her actual name. Her so father. Being like you're as much fun as your mum. Yeah, basically, yeah. That sounded like an insult because I've got a slightly croaky throat, but I mean that nice. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're always as fun as your mum. She was the daughter of Wuhan Seneca, who is the chief of the Pohatan tribe. He was the overseer of the other chiefs. So he was the chief of the chiefs because there was a total of 25,000 people and they had 30 lower level chiefs under her father. So it's like, you know, they've got a lot of mayors and various other chiefs because there's too many people for one chief to look after. Um, Her birth name was Amanut, but the name she was given later in life was Matawaka, which means the flower between two streams. In Native American culture, it's common to give someone a new name once you get older and once you learn more about their personality. The name Pocahontas is actually a Powhatan nickname that means playful one. And it's what both she and her mother were called in their tribe. She did cartwheels and ran through the forest on a daily basis. She was energetic, cheerful and playful, hence why she's got that name. But when she was became of age, like, of age which in their tribe is about 13, 14, she decided to take on the name Pocahontas for herself as her actual like you're now calling me Pocahontas do you know what I mean like she decided that that's what she's going to be called so like she as opposed to her real name made her own nickname or actual name yeah and a lot of tribes like share. That. yeah they would just they would say like I prefer this name this reflects my personality more so now use it all to call me that no one knows who her mother actually is because in the custom the chief would sleep with many women or wives when one wife became pregnant, she would go back to live in one of the 30 tribes where she came from and give birth to his child. After the birth, she was expected to breastfeed the baby. And once it was weaned, they were brought back to the chief to live together with their half-siblings. So after doing her duty, which I think is fair enough, she was allowed to marry another man, have a relationship and raise more kids without being expected to go back to the chief. Mm. Which, you know what? That's reasonable. However, since Pocahontas' mother is never described, they believe that she may have died in childbirth or she just chose not to visit her daughter that she gave away. (laughs) (laughs) So John Smith. Right, let's explore this arsehole. So in the movie, he's... um, Again, this is another thing that retroactively is fucked up because the voice actor for John Smith is Mel Gibson. So it is. Nazi fuck he is. And he is a Nazi, so... (laughs) That's not a, there's rumours, just he's an Nazi. He doesn't like Jews, <laughs> as I'd imagine indigenous people. So John Smith um, was, what they're saying in this article is that he was a bit of an exaggerator and a bit like Jay from the Inbetweeners, where he makes out that he's a lot bigger and better than he is, than he actually did. And he's, he just makes up shit stories so that people will listen to him. You're pathetic, John Smith. Get a grip of your life. <laughs> so he said that Pocahontas saved his life. According to him, he was captured by a, a man named Opek Chansa enough, can enough, which sounds totally made up. That he prayed, made up. <laughs> Oprah can he get enough? <laughs> yeah. He paraded John Smith to each of the po, um, Pohatan villages and finally ended up at the home of the chief, which is Pocahontas' dad. According to his story, they laid his head down on a rock and were getting ready to smash his skull in. When little Pocahontas jumped in front of the men, she laid her head down on his as if to say that they couldn't kill him unless he killed her too. 
It was retold in like multiple movies, including the Disney film. However, according to historians who specialise in Native American culture, they have a hard time believing that, and so do I, the Pocahontas would have actually put her life on the line to save a white man. Yeah. <laughs> she was actually a very young girl at the time and was so far out of the realm of what was considered to be normal. So in the, in the Disney film, Pocahontas is a grown-ass woman. Uh, in reality, when John Smith was around, he was 27 and Pocahontas would have been about eight. Or nine. Jesus Christ. So that's problematic. <laughs> she was never about, yeah. involved in them. A lot of John Smith's bullshit stories in his books about exploding New York were later found to be exaggerations. For example, he apparently saw mermaids and he insisted they were real. But of course, they were just manatees. <laughs> <laughs> he probably claimed he fucked them as well. Historians speculate that he wrote stories that he knew would sell a lot of books. So she never fell in love with John Smith because she was a fucking child. <laughs> yeah, she was incapable of falling in love with what they're being And also, into. John Smith was an absolute cock. He terrorised the villages by sneaking into people's houses at night and holding guns to their heads, demanding they give him supplies. And put that in the movie, did they? John Smith was eventually arrested for the attempted murder, for attempted murder of probably some indigenous person and kept prisoner. It only makes sense. I mean, it does make sense that they had Mel Gibson play him all this is very <laughs> Mel Gibson. <laughs> That's probably the only thing they got about right. <laughs> it makes sense that Smith portrayed himself as a hero of the story rather than a criminal who was trying to steal from innocent people. Pocahontas' father only agreed to work with John Smith when the Spanish began to attack his tribe. Since Spain was a con- common enemy, they were able to work together to fight them off. He then declared that John Smith was the chief of the white men and they began to live in peace. <laughs> Fucking hell. He wrote that young Pocahontas, John Smith did, would bring food to the settlers and that she would play together with the children of English settlers. But this is also likely to be bullshit. She lived 12 miles away from Jamestown and they were divided by a large river. She would have had to have disobeyed her father's wishes and would have likely spent days travelling back and forth on top of carrying a canoe to cross the river. <laughs> by the age of 13, Pohattan girls learned to take care of a household. They could plant vegetables, search for edible plants and forest skin animals, tan hides for fur and leather, and she could build a household by herself. So, I mean, even in the Disney film, do they have her doing any of that shit? Or does she just run about talking about the colours of the bloody wind? It's the second one. The, the women's work also was gathering water, cooking, cleaning, raising children, blah, 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 the usual stuff. So they all made things by hand. Women learned how to make pottery, mats for floor, spoons, baskets, and they went how to cut their hair and make clothing. I mean, fair, fair do. She probably also had lots of tattoos, including some on her face. And the movie, in the Disney movie, she does have one tattoo on her arm. Yeah, she's got a tattoo on her arm, but not on her face, of course course because you can't have that it was very common for Powhatan people to have tattoos all over their body even in the Disney version of Pocahontas she's depicting having at least one tattoo on her arm women of high rank in the society usually had face tattoos as the daughter of the chief it would make sense that she would too but every illustration of Pocahontas are no facial tattoos because he left them out in order to make her seem more normal by western standards or she left her village at such a young... She didn't actually leave her village. She was fucking forced to. Yeah. <laughs> which, again, is horrendous. So she was actually... seen the Disney movie, there's a, a Native American guy in it that's supposed to be her betrothed. And he's yes. called Cockum. And they make out that she doesn't like him because she prefers old whitey. Well, actually, she loved him. 
And she married that guy and had a child with him. Not fucking John Smith, whatever. So when she was 14 years old, she went through a coming of age ceremony where she would consider a woman. At that time, they could choose their own names. So she decided she officially wanted to become Pocahontas. As I said, that's because that's why she felt like it was her true self. After she became a woman, she was married to Kokum, who was the brother of one of the nearby village chiefs named <laughs> Japasaw. I was going to say Japsai. All I see is when I see that is Japsai. <laughs> J- Japasaw, sorry. In the Disney film, Kokum is portrayed as being very serious and not anything like what Pocahontas was looking for in a man. Which I find really offensive. It's like she would overlook her own fucking family, tribes, people for some cunt who just comes over in a boat voiced by Mel Gibson. This is not simply true. But there's no record of their relationship. It's likely that as the popular daughter of the head chief, Pocahontas would have had her pick of potential male suitors. So she picked him out herself. She moved to the village run by her husband's dad, where he lived, and they had a daughter together. I mean, at 14, that seems quite shocking. But back then, I suppose, you know, if you reach maturity at that age. I mean, in Japan, the official age of consent is 13. At this point, she would have been fully prepared to start her life as a young mother in the Powhatan tribe. The the village she moved to was closer to Jamestown than where she grew up with her father. So she probably would have interacted with more settlers than she did when John Smith first arrived. I really wish she hadn't moved. Right, this is where it gets really fucked up. So Pocahontas was kidnapped and taken prisoner. So in the summertime, when the Powhatan people would often walk around without any clothes on because it was so hot outside, and obviously they're not Christians, so they don't believe in shame and all that. Like, why would they not wander around naked? While it was normal for Native American culture, the male white settlers became sexually depraved and would capture the women and children to rape them. So in England, rape was a felony, but men almost never went to jail for the crime. If a man raped a woman, he usually got away with it by claiming that the woman was lying or she had sex with him willingly. Still goes on today. Yeah. Sadly. A woman had to prove in court that she had been raped by the man. So obviously back then there was no DNA evidence, so they couldn't prove without any witnesses. But in the Powhatan culture, rape was such a serious crime that it was punishable by death because the natives are obviously more reasonable and yes. not savages. As they're like one of the most offensive fucking songs in that animated film is the men all singing savages, savages. <laughs> Which is so fucking offensive. Also insane that it's people from a culture that thought that rape was acceptable, sending yeah. savages to people from a culture who thought that rape was the worst, no, who thought, yeah. who were aware that rape is the worst crime you can commit. And should be punished by death. Yes. And they always took the women's word for it. So their culture respected human life so much they would never lie about something like that. So that's why they always took the women's word for it, because they were like, well, nobody lies. Knowing that the man would die, because if you, yeah, well, that makes sense, because why would you lie about someone if you know that he's going to die unless you're such a fucking vindictive, horrible person in that tribe? But they respect nature and life, so they wouldn't lie about that kind of thing, which is why they're better. So many Powhatan women were raped by white men from Jamestown that the Powhatan were ready to go to war with them. In a last-ditch effort to get some leverage, a man named... Captain Samuel Argyll, he kidnapped Pocahontas and used her as a hostage. She was only 16 years old at the time and had just given birth to her baby, who was a daughter. They threatened to kill her if they even tried to retaliate. The Jamestown colonists let Chief Chasip- um, Jap- Japasaw know their terms. 
Pocahontas handed her infant daughter over to the other women in her village and she never saw her again. The men from Jamestown took her to the jail cell in the bottom of Captain Argyle's ship as a prisoner. So she was kept in the ship, lost her daughter. Her husband's still out there. Her brother-in-law, the chief, assumed that they were only taking her as a hostage temporarily until the issue was settled. He had enough faith that human beings with any sense of honour would never actually kidnap a young mother with an infant baby who wasn't even weaned yet. Yeah, exactly, yeah. but he fought wrong. <laughs> he did not want to do something that would get Pocahontas killed either, so Japasaw never sent any men after them, and neither did her father. Pocahontas' husband did try and save her, but the men from Jamestown killed him in oh. front of her. Now, that's one. They've seen that he killed him in front of her. But another story that I read was that she was actually in the ship and had no idea that her husband had been killed because she was stuck in that ship. Yeah. So I don't know which one of that is true. You would think the second one, because really the first one, well, one is more horrific, but also mm. you would have to have got all the way onto the ship and then down to where she was being held for him to be killed in front of her. So the Disney movie are making her actual husband to be a horrible guy. And she prefers the white guy. When in actual fact, it's the opposite. The white guy fucking kidnapped her and her husband tried to save her. It was killed. It's so bad. I don't think they should have ever made this film at all. While she was prisoner on the boat, she became understandably depressed and she stopped eating. This is where it gets bad. So since she was a hostage, the English wanted to keep her alive. They allowed her sister to visit her in the hopes it would raise her spirits enough to eat. She told her sister that she had been raped by multiple men and that they told her that her father did not love her, and that's why he wasn't coming to save her. Pocahontas' sister assured her that this was not true, and that he did love and miss her very much. She remained in custody and became pregnant with a baby from one of her abusers. Ugh. I, mean, I also read that that captain apparently went to Pocahontas' dad and said that he traded her for a copper pot and made out that, like, this is lies. He said to Pocahontas, I traded you with your... For a copper pot with your dad, and that's how much your life was worth to him. A copper pot. What a fuck. What a fuck indeed. <laughs> not, not really. He's an arsehole. <laughs> fuck him. Bogonis was baptized as a Christian, so her captors wanted her to become more civilized. So they forced her to convert to Christianity, and then they gave her a new name of Rebecca. A minister explained to Pocahontas how much better life was over in England and he encouraged her to devote herself to the Bible and move to Europe. I mean, what other fucking choice did she have? She didn't yeah. have a choice in the matter. And do you know what really annoys me as well is that Disney um, made, you know, where they made loads of direct-to-video sequels. Yes. They did actually do a sequel of Pocahontas going to England and meeting John Rolfe, I think. I never actually watched it. But you see her in, like, European clothes and stuff. I mean, the actual true story behind that is so horrific that, again, why the fuck are they yeah, romanticising that? that? They're making like a cheesy oh, film about it. Telling the absolute wrong information to kids. You know, like, people grow up thinking that the Disney five version of the story is a real story when I think more people should know what really happened. Yeah. I wouldn't let I would be I would be like to my sister, do not let my niece watch Pocahontas. Please don't show her what actually happened when she's older. Pocahontas's captors wanted her to book her oh yeah, I said that right. So they moved her to England and in the Western world converting to Christian Christianity was always one of the only ways that white people could be convinced a savage was actually civilised. If they could understand spirituality and concepts of a higher being, they thought that somehow many of them were more human. I mean, really? Becoming Christian also helped white people relax. 
because he could think of Pocahontas as a good Christian woman who's going to abide by the laws of the Ten Commandments as opposed to fucking bow and arrowing them to death. <laughs> I don't know what she did. In the year 1614, Pocahontas' father finally gathered a group of soldiers and tried to rescue her. It resulted in the deaths of dozens of men. Her captors finally allowed her father to speak to her and she apparently told him to let her go and that she wanted to go to England. I don't think she really meant that. No. There's a very good chance that Pocahontas just wanted to fight and to stop and she didn't want people to continue to die on her behalf. But it was also probably a form of propaganda from the English. If she really did say that, she may have had some form of Stockholm Syndrome or the minister actually convinced her that life would be better in England. I don't believe that. I honestly no, I think, think she would want to go back to... Yeah, wanted everything terrible to stop, I don't think. But then she did have a child, but I think they'd maybe said to her that your child won't be accepted. And yeah, I think they did actually psychologically abuse her as well. And she maybe thought, or they just said to her, you better tell your dad you're going to England or more of your people will die. Yeah. That's probably the truth. So she was taken to England. During all of her time in captivity, the settlers in Jamestown were trying to figure out how to deal with this issue of their relationship with the Powhatan tribe. Jamestown was now making a lot of money by farming tobacco and they would bring it back and forth to England. So back in England, the royal family and the general public wanted to treat the natives with respect (laughs) and keep everything peaceful. I think there were some people, white settlers, they weren't all bad. Some of the white settlers were actually outraged at how badly the the native people were being treated by the government and by some of the other settlers. So there were some good people. I'm not going to say that all the white people were horrendous. I'm sure that there were some people there that sympathised with the natives, but what could they do? So they decided the best course of action action was to take Pocahontas, her son Thomas, who she was basically as a rape baby, and her sister over to England in order to demonstrate that they had a great relationship with Native Americans, obviously um, admitting all the rape and kidnapping yeah. that was going on before she was presented to the rest of society. Her captors wanted to make sure that she could only actually communicate with the English. So she was taught the English language. She was very intelligent and she was also able to understand the language very quickly. And she could have full conversations with people that she met in her new home. Many English people had never met a Native American before and they had only heard stories of how savage they were. But once they met Pocahontas, she was speaking English and wearing proper clothing for any lady of the time period. That must have been horrendous for her as well. She's probably used to wearing very little and being all cool. And then she's forced to wear all these restricting garments and, you know, like women were forced, like, well, not forced to wear, but deemed respectable, which... Was quite it's restrictive. Just, it's forcing, not to the yeah, same extent, the Ma- it makes me really sad to think that she was once a very high-spirited, playful young girl. Yeah. To being fucking depressed as shit and repressed, made to wear horrible clothes. This makes me sad. So they said she was a lovely Christian woman, and it suddenly dawned on everyone that they were not savages. Nah, I don't, these no, were human beings. Like space facts, like we're in a much more educated age now, mm-hmm. and there's still a shit ton of insane racists out there. I hardly yeah. think going like, oh, she believes in Jesus is going to make people go, maybe racism is wrong. Like, <laughs> I, don't think so. I don't think she was ever been fully accepted into London society no. or English society back then, even if they thought that she was some sort of diplomat between their cultures. After being baptised as a Christian and giving birth to her son, Pocahontas was married to another arsehole, I think, called John Rolfe. Pocahontas' son was given the name Thomas Rolfe, and they told the public it was his baby, 
However, Rolf was just one of the many captors who mistreated her on the boat and there was no way to prove who the biological father actually was. So he could have been one of her rapists. Yeah, it sounds like he definitely was, which and again, they, they try, forced to marry him. Yeah, they try and make out that it was a love match, like because she didn't get with John Smith. She met John Rolfe and he reminded her of Smith and then she married him out of love. But to be honest, it sounds like she was forced to marry her rapist. Yeah, which is... Absolutely horrendous. No one knows if she actually fell in love with this man and married him willingly. I don't think she did. Some no. people think she only married him because she already had a child out of wedlock and they wanted her to be fully integrated into society, which I think is probably more realistic. Yeah. In the Pohatan tradition, a girl's father gave her away at her wedding, which we still do now, don't we? Or unless we stole that from them. <laughs> However, she was never allowed to see her family and they did not let anyone from her tribe come to visit. After she was married, her father sent her a necklace that was made of large pearls. I think it's a shame for her dad. Yeah, it's horrible. Horrible. For all of them. Yeah. All of them being her family, not everyone in the story. Some of the people in the story are shit. But... So apparently they, she was presented to a royal court in England. They played up the fact that she was like a princess since she was the daughter of the head chief. She is a princess, mate. Not like yeah. a princess. Again, they're not fully accepting of her as a noble woman. Everyone was extremely impressed with the beautiful, eloquent young lady of black hair and caramel coloured skin. The Jamestown colony became extremely popular among the English and they suddenly wanted to know everything there was to know about the new world. They read the stories of John Smith, the bullshit stories of John Smith (laughs) and the way you describe Pocahontas made the public love her even more even though that didn't happen. Many felt... Yeah, you think she would have said something, but I guess she can't really. Many felt she was born with a diplomatic nature, and if it were not for her, the colonists and the Native Americans would never have been at peace. They even made a collective stamp with an illustration of Pocahontas on it, but it's not the reality. I think she probably no. would have been a really good diplomat. She probably was like quite a nice person, but obviously she was, I think she was very traumatised as yeah, well. Yeah, she's been in a position she had no choice but to be. Now, this is where it gets... Again, I mean, there's no, there's no, nothing good about this story whatsoever. And I didn't know this because I initially thought that she died of tuberculosis, which is what I, I read anyway. Well. But shockingly, she was actually poisoned. So after serving her purpose as a symbol of peace in the new world, Pocahontas pleaded with John Rolfe to let her sail home to see her family because she just wanted to go home all along. Yeah. She didn't want to be in England. For the first time in five years, she was told that she could finally go back to Virginia. She was only 21 at the time, or some say she was just 20. They celebrated by having dinner with Captain Argyle, which is really fucked up because he was the guy that kept her captive. Yeah. And he was possibly one of the men who raped her. That same night, after eating the food they placed in front of her, she immediately began to vomit blood. Soon after their meal, she died. Rolf and Argyle claimed that she had consumption, which was common at that time. But nobody just suddenly has consumption and dies no. of it immediately after eating a meal. The old 10 minute consumption that took yeah. so many lives. <laughs> Not even that. Like consumption can be, it's like can kill you over many years. It takes time to develop. It wouldn't just suddenly, oh my God, I'm dead now. after like. So considering that she was only 20 or 21, it was shocking she would die so suddenly. And... As we all know, tuberculosis takes a very long time to kill someone. So her sister and the other natives who were with her in England, they said that she was in perfect health in the days leading up to her dinner with Rolf and Argyll as well. And many people believe she was poisoned and that blaming it on consumption was an easy way, way out. And obviously if they're on a boat and they're sailing, 
nobody's gonna know anything yeah like even more fucking undignified for that poor woman is that the other native americans who came with pocahontas to england they weren't allowed to return home either they were sold as circus attractions oh my god and since pocahontas was legally married to john rolfe and she'd become so famous at that point the public would have been outraged if he she should have also been sold off so they killed her and and make it look like an illness seemed like the only way they could silence her forever. So I guess she maybe when she was planning on going home, she was going to yeah. actually, you know, like get rid of him. And he probably suspected that she would run away and go back to her own family and tell them about all the horrible things and start a new war or something. And I think I don't think John Rolfe had ever had any like intention of of staying with her because he wanted to because he actually went on to build his own farm plantation in virginia sadly she, she wasn't buried amongst her own people he took her body back to england to gravesend in kent which is where my granddad was born i'm not saying I've got <laughs> and buried her there so she couldn't even go back home after death like to her and be buried on sacred grounds with her family that's fucked up even though they were nearby america he still insisted on just taking her back and then he fucking went back to virginia and had his own plantation oh and guess what happened to her son he ditched him what not what do you mean he ditched him but like what happened then what happened then right okay so instead of bringing pocahontas remains back to virginia to be together with her tribe her body was buried in england they wanted to keep up the illusion she was successfully converted to fall in love with europe that she would have preferred to be buried there anyway No, her father died soon after from grief. The Powhatan tribe has requested to remove her body on multiple occasions, but they've always been ignored. It's probably because her grave site's now a tourist attraction. So even today, they won't let her, they won't let them have her body back. That's absolutely. It's just typical, isn't it? (laughs) That brings in revenue to the town of Gravesend. They built a metal statue to go on top of her grave marker so that no one could possibly miss it. After the Disney Pocahontas movie came out in theatres, the number of people who visited her grave on a regular basis skyrocketed, which again I think's fucked up because again they're not they don't know the real story yeah. and Gravesend are profiting off of that poor girl's body where she shouldn't belong there. Since most of the written history was recorded by the white men who wanted to be remembered as heroes, the Powhatan tribe made sure to keep the true story of Pocahontas was kept alive by telling the story to each and every generation for over 400 years. These versions of her story were eventually written down in English, but they still fucked around with it anyway. <laughs> Disney did it anyway. So after she died, John Rolfe wanted nothing to do with Pocahontas' son. He wanted to continue his burnt journey back to Virginia and make his fortune tobacco farming. So he handed the boy over to his brother Henry, who was also well, who was just willing to take care of him. Thomas would have been around five years old at the time. So he went with his uncle. John Rolfe didn't leave any sort of child support for Thomas, um, which is pretty fucking heartless. Mm-hmm. But it also suggests that John Rolfe was not Thomas's biological father after all. I don't think he was, but nobody knows because she was mm. raped multiple times by multiple men. So unless she went on the Maury Povich show and got a DNA test, I don't think we'd know who the father of her baby was. No. However, he signed all the legal documents in England claiming that he was the father, even though this was a lie to cover up the crimes of the men on Captain Argyll's ship. Henry Rolfe had it in writing. He went to court to demand that his nephew should be left some sort of child support and his petition was granted. So at least his brother was a decent guy. Yeah, he sounds like a good human. Yeah. In 1622, or he was just like, why the fuck should I pay for your son? You need to pay for him. Could look at it that way. In 1622, the English court system gave Thomas a few acres of his father's land when he was just seven. 
When he grew up, he used this land to farm a plantation. So Pocahontas' son managed to make it back to the New World and he made his living off the land. He married a woman named Jane Poffris, whose father owned a lot of land in Virginia. He had one daughter together, also named Jane. He tried to ask the governor if it would be all right for him to visit his Native American relatives back in Virginia and bring his wife with him. But the judge said no. I mean, that's sad. He just wants to visit his fucking mum's relatives or his relatives. Thomas Rolfe was still very famous because of the legends of his mother. They were terrified that if he left England and chose to move to America, it would make England look very bad in the eyes of the public. It would seem like he had been kidnapped, which he had, and he was finally returning to his true home. Which he would have been. I mean, the UK are such arseholes. Like, they're still... I mean, England. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) The Westminster government. They're still trying to kidnap people and send them to fucking Rwanda yeah. and separate them from their families and then cover it up. I just, I don't, I don't know. There's still shady shit that goes on. According to records, John Rolfe wasn't willing to share his money with Thomas when he was still alive, but you can't take money with you when you're dead. Since he had no other children, he left everything to Thomas in his last will and testament, including a significant portion of land in Virginia when he died. Much of it mu- once belonged to the poor Hattan people. The tribe had also left land to Pocahontas's first daughter, who Thomas never got to meet. For the rest of his life, Thomas Rolfe was defined by his parents. Even his grave marker says, son of Pocahontas. It's the only description of who he was as a person. (laughs) I get this. A Las Vegas entertainer named Wayne Newton is one of the many descendants of Pocahontas that went out on to be famous. First Lady Edith Wilson also descended from Pocahontas. Yeah. I thought at first it was Wayne Knight from fucking Jurassic Park, but then I realised I don't actually know who Wayne Newton is. I'm kind of sad it wasn't Wayne Knight. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's why I think that the Disney Pocahontas movie should never have been made because they've just romanticised a poor girl being raped, ripped from her daughter and her husband being killed and then basically used as a pawn for England's yeah. pop- propaganda and then murdered by her husband. I'm just looking at it. Uh... Pictures of Thomas Rolfe. Well, you're telling me this. There's pictures of him. You mean paintings? Well, paintings of him. Oh, he's her son. Oh yeah, I yeah. seen a, a painting of her with her son, and he does look quite Native American looking, doesn't he? He does, it but then the paintings of him when he's an adult, he doesn't look Native American at all. But maybe he asked. Maybe they he depicted himself that way because if you're painting, you can depict yourself any way you want. How true. you want to be seen. Very true. And it, it just goes to show that he wasn't ashamed of his Native American heritage because he wanted to meet his family, he wanted to meet his Native American, he wanted to meet his tribes people. So it's sad that yeah, he denied it's... that. You think he would have just went, fuck it, I'm going to see them anyway? Yeah, I mean, it's insane that a judge can decide whether or not you're allowed to go where you want to go. Exactly. If that makes sense. That was a really weird sentence, but you know what I mean? Why do they need a judge to decree whether or not he can go and visit his own family? family as an adult yeah just don't tell anyone who's it going to, what's going to happen is he just going to get followed why does he need permission unless the, the tribe people are being guarded or something by the the oppressors yeah i find it's just it it really makes me mad that oh my god like i've just seen an image of the sequel with um, pocahontas and a, a baby with the arsehole tom <laughs> it says team rolf uh, excuse me <laughs> Like, like, I'm going to look up the sequel. Let's see. What's the Pocahontas uh, Disney sequel? So I've not, I, I think I've seen a little bit of it, but I think I found it so offensive that I couldn't watch the rest of it. 
Okay, here we go. Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World. This is just going to be so fucked up. So it was out in 1988, direct-to-video sequel. The first film dealt with her meeting with John Smith and the arrival of the British settlers. The sequel focuses on Pocahontas' journey to England with John Rolfe to negotiate for peace between the two nations, although her death is omitted from the film's ending. And her rape! Omitted, yeah. <laughs> like, it's the only bit they chose not to include, other than also everything else. Oh my god, who voiced Billy Zane was John Rolfe? Donald Gibson? They couldn't get Mel Gibson, so they got, I guess, his older brother to do it. In London, John Smith is ambushed by a group of soldiers with a warrant for his arrest and presumed dead in the ensuing confrontation. Governor Ratcliffe has lied to King James, being a personal friend of the king, and framed Smith as a traitor from the first film in a plot to declare war against the Powhatan nation and get hold of the gold he still believes them to possess, all while avoiding punishment for his own crimes. In order to prevent war, the king sends a young diplomat, John Rolfe, to bring Chief Powhatan to England for negotiations. <laughs> yeah, you kidnapped my daughter, you can't. <laughs> In the new world, Pocahontas, Pohatan's daughter, mourns John Smith's death, but is eventually able to move on. Hold on, did he die? Oh, he's presumed dead. Okay. <laughs> uh, John Rolfson arrives, greeted by English civilians who by now have settled in Jamestown, and a curious Pocahontas. Rolf eventually speaks with Pohatan, but he refuses to accompany him to England, so Pocahontas goes in her father's stead voluntarily of course <laughs> believing that she can bring about peace between the two nations Pohatan sends a bodyguard Uta Matomakin to accompany Pocahontas Rolf and Pocahontas have a rocky start yeah you don't fucking say they <laughs> gradually warm up to each other in England Rolf leaves Pocahontas at his mansion and meets with King James and Queen Anne but James refuses to meet with Pocahontas despite Rolf's pleas instead per Ratcliffe's suggestion James invites both Rolf and Pocahontas, Pocahontas to an upcoming ball and promises that if Pocahontas impresses him by acting civilised, he will prevent their murder from sailing to Jamestown. But if she does not, he will declare war. What, so if she wears a pretty dress, then he'll be like, oh, that, that's cool, Queen. I won't kill your people. <laughs> yeah, murder everyone. Knowing that Ratcliffe deliberately manipulated the king, Rolf and his maid, Mrs Jenkins, <laughs> educate Pocahontas in the ways of British equity to prepare her. At the ball, Pocahontas wins over the king and queen with flattery and almost manages to prevent war, but a bear baiting arranged by Ratcliffe and greatly enjoyed by the snobbish nobility infuriates Pocahontas and she openly accuses the king of savage behaviour. With Ratcliffe whispering in his ear, James angrily orders Pocahontas and Uti imprisoned in the Tower of London and declares war on her tribe. At his home, a despondent Rolf is approached by a hooded stranger who helps him break Pocahontas and Uti out of the tower and take them to an inn where the man reveals himself to be dun 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 John Smith. What is this? Smith Smith implores Pocahontas to stay hidden with him, but she instead takes Rolf's advice and decides to try and stop the war one last time. She openly confronts the king in the palace and reveals Smith, thus provide proving that Ratcliffe had been lying the entire time. Realising Ratcliffe's treachery James sends a battalion among them, Pocahontas, Smith, Rolf, Uti and their animal friends, to stop the armada and detain Ratcliffe. <laughs> they are successful in stopping the ships before they can set sail, but Ratcliffe refuses to 
give up and tries to kill Pocahontas. Smith appears and fights Ratcliffe one-on-one until Ratcliffe draws a gun, but before he can fire, Rolf hits him overboard with the ship's mast. Ratcliffe makes it back to port where he is arrested by the king. Smith receives a royal pardon and his own ship from the king as a sign of apology. Pocahontas and Rolf, meanwhile, appear on the verge of admitting they love each other. Before they can, Smith appears and cock blocks him, no, and implores Pocahontas to accompany him on his new journeys around the world. But she chooses otherwise and she and Smith part ways as friends. As she later prepares to return to Jamestown, she finds Rolf waiting for her on the ship, having chosen to go and live with her in Jamestown. With Uti remaining in London in his stead, they kiss as the ship sails into the sunset, and then he fucking murders her. <laughs> That's the end. That's um again, so again based on you telling me what actually happened is quite horrific that they're like like the man that the man that actually raped, brutalized her, and abandoned her son is the big hero in this situation, plus the other white guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I don't like Disney. Yeah. I love making that film, essentially. And it should be barred. It should be barred. I don't like it. Or remade. Do you imagine it. how the Native American peoples of America feel about that film? I don't think they would like it one little bit. What do you think? I mean, no. <laughs> what would there be for them to... Now Disney are getting shit off of white supremacists because they cast a black woman in Star Wars. Yeah, which but is who, who gives a fuck? Star Wars? I don't did you care. See the thing about people saying that it shows that Disney are hypocritical because they refuse to defend that Gina Nazi face for posting anti-Semitic comments, but they defended this actress f- from the new Star Wars series for being black. That's but, you know, not an That makes no sense. Well, the kid does if Disney are known for being anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think Walt Disney would have hired many black people either back in the 30s. I really doubt it. I mean, look how he portrayed them in Song in the South and Dumble, but we've gone over that already. So have you got the old list, Mark? I do have the old list here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Remember that thing that Yaz said is on uh, WhatsApp about all the Disney titles? And the one that stuck out the most to me was uh, 100 Dalmatians, Please Neuter Your Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was very fucked up that that dog had 101 puppies. And the one go as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, geez, that must be awful for her. Poor Fanny. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Fanny. They were just sliding out at the end. <laughs> God. That's it. I couldn't cope. I mean, I, I looked after two dogs. Never mind 101 of them, plus the two parents. So that would be what, 103 that dogs. Is- at least 102 too many Imagine how stinking that house would be. I mean, with puppies, you need to like train them how to piss and shit outside. So I'd imagine it would be pretty bad in that house for a while. And also, I do, I do also think that, sad as it is to say, that a lot of those puppies may end up fucking each other. And yeah, you'd have to sell them all very rapidly to ensure yeah. that there was no incest puppies. The incest when they got older because he grew up really quickly and Dalmatians are meant to be quite vicious if they're not socialised. Hey, that's my rant. <laughs> Dalmatians. <laughs> I'm sure they're nice dogs but just don't have fucking hundreds of them. That's just that's called a puppy farm. So what's the list? What's the numbers um, in each is? One in 20 I think although there's some missing from the middle but I can't really bother working out which ones. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just say one Let's in 20. Let's go number two. Number two. Uh, Pre-Jesus, Jesus myths. So basically, like, the myths that Jesus is based on. Okay, that might offend quite a lot of people, but who cares? Well, 
<laughs> oh, there you go. Right. So you're talking about marrying like Hercules and Anna, Eostra, yeah, all the Horus, ancient myth, Horus, any ancient myths that or Jesus is based on. Would it be like gods that were born of a virgin? Yep. Virgin birth, all that stuff. Like something like, like pre-Jesus that paralleled Jesus' life because yeah. it was copied, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like copied in some cases, exactly. Right, well, that would be an interesting one to look into. And it's not, like, quite wide a topic as the Disney thing, because, again, we could probably do another podcast on, like, true Disney, like, the real facts behind Disney um, movies. Was there a Quasimodo? No, that was based off a No, novel. there can't have been. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I'm saying that. I didn't think there was a real Cinderella or Snow White in terms of days. Where did Victor Hugo get his idea for... It wasn't Victor Hugo? I don't know. Could have got that wrong. I'll, I'll look it up later. If you're listening and you want to be pedantic and like correct me on these things, please do. You can tweet me at podcast <laughs> underscore myth on Twitter, or just look up Crystal Myth on Twitter and you'll find us. Do you have any social media, or you don't want people following you? No, I don't want people following me on social media. <laughs> can anyone near me on social media? I will reject you. It's fine. You can follow us on Facebook at Crystal Myth. Um, we've got a Crystal Myth group and a Crystal Myth page if you want to go on there and add a comment or like or follow us. Um, but yeah, that's our, our podcast, social media. We're not giving out our personal ones. No, no, thank oh, you. You can probably Google me. Anywho, thanks for listening. <laughs> Sorry for the wait. I really appreciate it if you've stayed with us all this time. Yeah, have you got anything you want to say, Mark? Um, yeah, cheers. Sorry we were off the radar for a wee bit there, but you know, but like you say, everyone, everyone needs a break, and yes. you know, understandable if you've got health issues or you've got life that gets in the way. Yeah, but we're back, and we will be back next week, hopefully, if there isn't some other drama that happens. Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. If something happens and Mark can't be on it I'll try and do one myself or at least sing you a song yeah well thanks for signing me up to singing a song I don't think we want to subject our listeners to my singing bye bye <laughs>